Informed with your community. The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and we are excited because we have got the former governor of New Jersey and Republican presidential candidate with us, Chris Christie. Good morning, Governor. Good morning, boys. How are you? We're doing great. Doing and well, sir. I'll tell you, I, I was really excited. I got the chance to actually meet you at the kickoff to your campaign in New Hampshire back in early June at St. Anselm's. And uh, you, I have to say, you did a great job. I think you nobody could do a much a better job than you at the town hall-style format. And it was great to actually get to meet your family as well. Well, thank you. And, you know, I know you guys are big Mary Pat fans. Yes. Um, you have been all the way going back to 2015 or before. And so you should know, I need to announce, right before we get into substance, Day is her 60th birthday. Oh, so, hey, happy, happy birthday, birthday, Mary Pat. It is a big day. So we're going to have a Mary Pat celebration. I'm off the campaign trail for the day, except to do, do some uh, short interviews. Um, and then we're going to be honoring Mary Pat all day. All nice. right. That's, that's, a, that's, that's the, the way, way it should be. It. I'll tell you, happy wife. Happy life. But you've got uh, big new events coming up in New Hampshire over the weekend, right? We go actually we'll be back on Monday night, and uh, we'll be working in New Hampshire Monday night and all day Tuesday. Um, so we'll do a town hall on Tuesday night um, in Northampton. So um, we're going to be back on the campaign trail. We were in New Hampshire for two and a half days this past week, and we'll be back for a day and a half next week. And, uh, Governor, are you sort of patterning this campaign in New Hampshire, obviously, you're putting a lot of a lot of your chips in New Hampshire, understandably. And are you sort of patterning it after what John McCain did, where in 2008, where he was sort of at the bottom, um, and he spent a ton of time with just a few aides traveling all over the state, and actually catapulted him to a win in New Hampshire, and he went on to become the nominee. Well, look, we we clearly uh, have a lot of things in common. You know, he uh, he rode the Straight Talk Express. And, uh, and the super PAC who's supporting our efforts is called Tell It Like It Is. Um, I think Senator McCain and I are similar in that respect, that um, we're willing to tell the truth, no matter whether someone thinks it's popular at the moment or unpopular. Um, we want the truth to matter in this country. He wanted it to matter, and so do I. But the good news is, in the last Emerson poll that came out about a week or so ago, um, I was at 14% in second place in New Hampshire. So um, we don't necessarily have to start from the bottom. We can start from second place and have our only target be Donald Trump. Um, and I believe that the people in New Hampshire will say um, it's time to move on. It's time to move on from someone like that. And we don't need to substitute him with someone who's raised their hand on a debate stage and said they would support Donald Trump even if he was a convicted felon. Uh, I don't think that's what should be the minimum requirements to be president of the United States. In fact, I think it should be a disqualifier. And you were one of only two candidates on the stage that did not raise your hand to that. Is that right? That's correct. I don't believe, you know, look, I spent seven years as a federal prosecutor running the fifth largest office in America during the Bush administration. We did 130 uh, political corruption cases against Republicans and Democrats and went 130 and 0. So I know a little bit about this. And I can tell you that if you're convicted by a jury, of your peers in federal court, then you are guilty. And someone who's guilty of a crime while they're in political office, um, you know what? Uh, that person should never be in political office again, in my view. Now, there are a lot of Republicans, Governor, that think that these charges against the former president 
are are over the top that they that the it's it's political um how do you respond to that look first off i'd say that both the charges in new york are purely political and i don't think the charges in atlanta were unnecessary because he was already charged federally for what he did surrounding january 6th so i would agree with folks on that but on the two sets of federal charges let's put aside the charges for a minute guys and let's say that Donald Trump doesn't deny the conduct. You know, I saw him in his interview with Megyn Kelly yesterday say he could take documents, classified documents, out of the White House, and that he was entitled to do it. Well, that's just contrary to the law. It's wrong. And he can say it as many times as he wants, but it doesn't make it legal. And if you think about it, it doesn't make it smart. We've had American men and women who have put their lives on the line, who have died to collect those secrets. Um, and now we're going to have them sitting in boxes in a ballroom in Mar-a-Lago. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and worse yet, he lied about it when the government asked him for the documents back. He obstructed it for uh, almost a year and a half. Before they ever served the subpoena, guys, they've been asking for a year for the documents back informally by letter and phone call through his lawyers. So even if you don't believe that's a crime, is that the type of judgment that you want sitting behind the desk in the Oval Office? So people need to ask themselves that question, even if they have any objection to the criminal charges. Is that the conduct we want from a president of the United States? Let's go to the phones for you, sir. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, Governor Christie. I just want to thank you for running for president again, and I want to thank you for having the backbone to take on Donald Trump for all of his crimes and misdeeds. I just don't understand why all these other Republican candidates, except for you and Asa Hutchinson, are pussyfooting around him. They're afraid to confront him on his corruption and his incompetence. And you're right, the issue you just talked about, he should not have those documents. All the other candidates are saying, oh, poor Donald, it's a witch hunt. Uh, you know, it's the weaponization of the Justice Department. You're the only one I've heard say, listen, he shouldn't have those documents. It's a crime. And, Governor, we've heard him on tape saying, I guess I really shouldn't have these documents. I guess I should have declassified them. He's admitting it. But you're the only one willing to call him out on it. Good for you. I hope you win in New Hampshire. I hope you win in Iowa. And the Republican voters wake up and realize that Donald Trump is poison for their party. He's poison uh, right. for America. All right, Governor. I'm sure that call was music to your ears. <laughs> Look, it, it, it was. And what I would say to folks is, you know, the, the reason why we're spending so much time focusing on New Hampshire is because New Hampshire, as you guys know, has a history of saying that they are going to go with the folks, not necessarily who are the favorites, but the folks who are willing to tell the truth. And New Hampshire has a history of doing that. They've done it over and over again. New Hampshire is the state on the Democratic side that put Lyndon Johnson in retirement by being supportive of Senator Eugene McCarthy. You know, it's the state um, that made sure that Ronald Reagan was going to be the Republican nominee in 1980. It's the state that made George Bush 41 the Republican nominee um, in 1988. And it's the state that, as we talked about earlier, propelled John McCain to the nomination in 2008. Um, you know, these are folks 
who have been great American public servants. And I, I really believe we're going to follow in that in that pattern uh, come uh, primary election day in New Hampshire. Governor, a few other topics we want to get into in the next few minutes. One of them, I just first want to ask you, here's something that I hear from Republican voters a lot on this show or just when I run into people sometimes. And they'll say, hey, look, Trump, uh, I'll deal with the nasty tweets and some of his personality to have back uh, inflation under control and gas prices lower and everything else. Uh, what do you say to people who say, you know, I can deal with those nasty tweets and that type of thing. I want the policies back. Well, I, if you really love conservative policies, I don't know why you'd hire Donald Trump to implement them. This is a guy who said he was going to repeal and replace Obamacare. He had Republican majorities in both houses of Congress, and he failed to get it done. This is a guy who said that he was going to balance the federal budget in four years, and he added $7 trillion to the national debt, more than any president in American history in four years. This is a guy who said he was going to fix our immigration system and build a wall across the entire border of Mexico and the United States, and that the Mexicans would pay for it. Well, in four years, he built 52 miles of new wall. You know, at that pace, he'd need 110 more years as president to finish the wall. Uh, and the Mexicans, the Mexicans have not paid their first peso towards the wall. And so many of the problems that we have on the border now, he contributed to. If he had finished that wall as he promised to do, we wouldn't be having people pouring over the border as they are now. Now, Joe Biden has mightily contributed to that, too, by his policies. That's why they both need to go. So for those who say, I like the policies but don't approve of the person's conduct, you don't need to put up with that conduct to get those policies. I will give you conservative policies. I did it as a conservative governor in a blue state in New Jersey, and I will do it in Washington, D.C., because I know how to get things done. Unlike Donald Trump, only knows how to talk about them and lie about them. Now, Governor, just to give you a chance to respond, some people I know would say, but you supported him when he ran, and you and you were supporting him when he ran for re-election, knowing some of the things that you just mentioned about him. Um, we know you had problems, obviously, with how he conducted himself after the election, but but you did support him when he was president and, uh, and when he ran for re-election. Sure, and I make no apologies for supporting him in 2016. I didn't want Hillary Clinton to be president of the United States. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, once I ran against him, remember, huh, so I didn't support him from the beginning, I wanted to be president. It didn't work out. And so I wanted to make sure Hillary wasn't president. And I hoped, given my long relationship with him, that I could make him a better candidate and a better president. Um, and the same thing with Joe Biden. I didn't want Joe Biden to be president. Given that choice, I supported Donald Trump. But when he stood behind the seal of the president in the East Room of the White House on election night, and lied to the American people and told them the election had been stolen. The American people are going to believe their president. When their president tells them something like that, they're going to think he knows something they don't. Well, it turns out he did not. And still to this day, he claims the election was stolen, and it wasn't. That's when I made my break for him, guys, because our democracy is more important than any particular set of policies. Um, and that's why I can't be supported this time and why I ultimately chose to run against him. Yeah, Governor, in the debate um a few weeks ago you've got another big debate coming up week after next in the, at the reagan library anything that you took from that first debate that will change that will you'll look at and change strategy or what will be your strategy in this next big debate coming up you know i i have this unusual strategy guys i listen to the question answer it and follow the rules and stay inside the time limit it's a 
It's a crazy way to do it to base, but I've decided <laughs> to do it that way. And it's served me pretty well over the years. I think the debate will be different for two reasons. I think there will be two fewer people on the stage. I don't think Asa Hutchinson or Doug Burgum will more likely than not make the stage. So I think it will only be six of us. So that will make it different. Everyone will get more time. And secondly, um, there will not be a huge audience at this debate, live audience. Um, you know, to give you an example, um, the, the RNC gave each candidate 150 tickets for the debate in Milwaukee. For the debate in at the Reagan Library, we're each getting 10. Oh, my. That's a so, significant difference. Big difference. And I think, you know, after a while, the audience um, got to disrupt the debate. I mean, you know, there were moments up there, I can tell you guys, when we couldn't hear each other. Oh, wow. And, and, and that became a real problem. Part of it was the audience. Part of it was the acoustics of being in a, you know, 18,000-seat basketball arena and having it probably two-thirds filled. So, you know, it was, a, um, it was a little bit of a difficult atmosphere. I think in those two ways it'll be different. But I won't change my approach, guys. I'm going to listen to the question, even if they ask you about UFOs. I'll try to answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to tell you, I, I was a little unfair. Response, you're like, really, really, yeah, I mean, really? <laughs> That's I'm the question. You're question? <laughs> Just because you're a Jersey guy, right? <laughs> right. That's exactly right. They think they think Jersey people are unidentified flying objects. We're not. <laughs> Yeah, Governor, we're almost out of time, but I just got to get in one question. We talked a lot about Trump. Um, Biden, I mean, with this Hanoi trip, now people are really starting to dump on him, even from within the party, more so than anything we've seen before. He looked totally out to lunch in Hanoi. Do you think, with what you've seen, that he is capable of being president for the rest of his term, let alone four more years? No, I've said this on the campaign trail, guys. Um, he's passed his sell-by date. Um, it's it just, you know, whatever you think of Joe Biden and, and Mary Pat and I have known him for 40 years because we both went, that's where Mary Pat and I met at the university of Delaware. Um, and we met Joe Biden when we were both college students. Oh, wow. He was the United States Senator. So we met Joe Biden for the first time in, in 1983. So we've known him for 40 years and he is not the man he used to be. Um, I never agreed with him from a policy perspective. But he was a sharp guy who could make it make an argument. He can't even do that anymore. Um, and I think that it is it is a, an awful situation to see someone representing our country who can't tell stories accurately, who you know falls asleep sitting across from foreign leaders in the Oval Office. Um, it, it's not good for America, and no. quite frankly, it's not good for President Biden. No, and it, so it, it, you, you know, I would hope that he would step aside and, and give someone else a chance to run the same way I think Donald Trump should step aside. You know, if they were the candidates, we're going to have two candidates. We're going to be a combined 160 years <laughs> old. The greatest democracy in the world's history can do better than that, and we should have something better than that in the Oval Office when we celebrate our 250th birthday in 2026. Um, I intend to be that guy, fellas, and uh, – I hope President Biden steps aside for the good of the country and for his own good and doesn't seek re-election because I can't imagine an 86-year-old Joe Biden being president of the United States. No, and agree or disagree with him, it is, it's so uncomfortable to watch. Like you said, you, I didn't realize you met him back when you were in college, but at least he was quick and could have an argument even if you disagreed with him philosophically. Now, Absolutely. Now it's just treacherous to watch. 
it's awful to watch. And it's, and by the way, it sends the wrong signal to the rest of the world. And I think it's, you know, the combination of Donald Trump undercutting, um, you know, people's constitution, um, and Joe Biden appearing not to be at all up to the job sends bad signals around the world about America's leadership. And I think a lot of the violence and the danger you see in the world is being uh, contributed to by that. What do you make, Governor, of uh, Vivek Ramaswamy? I mean, in the debate last time, he basically <laughs> accused you of running the same campaign that Donald Trump's running. What do you make of him? There's Some people are interested in him. Yeah, look, I think he's an interesting person. Um, but I, but I, that's about all. Um, I, I don't... Look, this is a guy who said that he wants to give Taiwan away to the Chinese. This is a guy who said um, that he's for Vladimir Putin. This is a guy who said that Israel should be treated like every other country in the Middle East. Um, this is a dangerously naive person who's read a few books and now thinks um, he's ready to be president of the United States. So I think that Republican voters um, you know, are fascinated by someone like Vivek, who's had some success in the private sector. And we've seen that fascination with other potential candidates over time, folks like Herman Cain, uh, folks like... Um, Ben Carson or Carly Fiorina. But there's a period of when people are fascinated and then they move on. And I think that's what's going to happen with Vivek. I've got to ask you, Governor, I've read this that you have said you're not going to let Trump run and hide. You're not going to let him duck. You're not going to let him uh, get out of the because he's not going to the debates. And you seem to be suggesting that you're going to confront him maybe at some event that he's going to on his way in or on his way out. Are you really going to do that? If he doesn't show up at debates, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You're going, I mean, to, you're going to confront him and try to get him to debate you right there? Well, let's start the conversation at least. And maybe what we can do is uh, through that confrontation induce him to show up on a debate stage. Because the, the, the Republican voters in this country are being treated disrespectfully by Donald Trump. Just because he's been nominated twice before doesn't mean he's entitled to this nomination. He should have to get up on the stage and defend his record and debate credible candidates on that stage. And, you know, all of us, whether we're current governors, former governors, current United States senators, um, a former vice president of the United States, um, these are credible candidates. He should be on the stage. And I'm not going to sit idly by. I'll, you know, I'll give him a chance to get to one of these early debates. But if he doesn't get to one of these early debates, I'll go find him. Wow. That's going to that's gonna be some theater right there. Uh, Putin has said that uh, the, the, the charges, indictments against the president are... Uh, show what what a banana republic we have, or something like that. Well, yeah, look, I mean, if, if Donald Trump wants Vladimir Putin's endorsement, he can have it. Um, I, I don't want the endorsement of a communist KGB operative, authoritarian dictator who is murdering women and kidnapping children in Ukraine. Um, I, can, I can take a pass on that endorsement, guys. Um, and Donald Trump should have repudiated immediately when it happened, but he didn't. He didn't, and that tells you a lot about his character. And uh, I guess, lastly, did you see the Megyn Kelly interview with Donald Trump? I haven't seen all of it. I, I haven't sat down and looked at all of it yet. I've been kind of busy, but I've seen excerpts from it. Um, I do think it's extraordinary when the President of the United States says he's entitled to take all these classified documents out of the White House because he's entitled to do it, and, he, and the minute he takes them out, they're declassified. Um, it, it's an extraordinary... Um, extraordinarily stupid position, um, contrary to the law. But this is what Donald Trump does. 
He just makes it up as he goes along. And he figures if he says it enough times, people will believe it's true. It's not true. And he's going to find that out, I suspect, when he gets in front of a jury of his peers in Florida on that case, who I think will not buy that argument. He, he did suggest that what he was waving around in that famous, uh, that it was actually not a classified document, but a newspaper. Yeah, so why would he be saying it, <laughs> Megyn Kelly asked him, why would you be calling a newspaper article classified and saying that you could have declassified it, but you didn't? Yeah. I mean, and that it's very secret. Um, I know people don't read newspapers a lot anymore, but it doesn't classify them as secret, fellas. (laughs) (laughs) Governor Christie, thanks for being on the morning drive today. Uh, We're delighted to have you on the show. Good luck out on the campaign trail, and wish Mary Pat a happy birthday for us. I definitely will, fellas. Thank you very much, and look forward to being uh, on the program again soon. Thanks for giving me the time this morning. You got it. Thanks for being with us, sir. Have a good day, and say happy birthday. I will. Uh, All right. Very good. There he goes right there, Governor Chris Christie. That was a great conversation with him. Uh, 